Small businesses are at the heart of the U.S. economy. Here at Nurture Small Business Podcast, we're dedicated to seeing our small business owners succeed. I am your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. If you like what you hear on today's podcast, please share it. You have my gratitude for doing so. With over 25 years experience managing and developing teams, Beverly Hawthorne is today's guest. She is a customer satisfaction guru. She develops teams and focuses on a customer-centric workplace. Welcome to the show, Beverly. Thank you so much for having me, Denise. I'm glad to be here. So I'm sure you'll notice that I didn't read your bio because I like just talking about your back history. So tell me, you've got 25 years experience in um, this HR world and you now own your own HR consultancy. How did you get here? Well, I uh, started in corporate um, some years ago, of course, as a bank teller. That's when I decided and understood that I enjoy serving customers and I also enjoy uh, a servant leadership position. So that kind of put me on the road. There's been several other opportunities and I ended up still in corporate America at a Fortune 500 company where I was a customer service leader on a team where we supported large business customers like the hospitals, banks, TV stations, and the sort. Supporting those type customers refined my skills. Um, there's oftentimes when uh, if, if a hospital is out of service or if they need a service, we need to get on it and we need to perfect our process and we need to be good at what we do. So those opportunities helped me to refine my customer service skills and experiences. And it also gave me an opportunity to refine my leadership ability. So led teams in customer service, customer satisfaction initiatives. I've implemented and designed and implemented customer satisfaction, quality control, the actual processes, metrics, that type of thing. I've trained customer service teams, of course, and just been an overall leader in that area. I eventually moved on to HR, where I was a part of the team that negotiated the working agreement for the company which you may know uh, or your listeners may know as a contract when you're in a union shop. There's a contract that defines all the processes and I worked on the team that negotiated that contract. And I also did the grievance process. I managed the administration of the grievance process. And in that, I learned a lot about how employees really feel about the way that they're treated. While leaders might think that they're doing a good job, sometimes the employees don't always feel that way. So I learned a lot in that area, but that's a brief overall of my customer service, customer satisfaction, HR in a bucket. So a lot of great experience there over many years and a lot of great topics. You know, you've got the labor relations in there, the mm-hmm. contract negotiation, quality assurance, the designing system. So a lot of great things in there. But you said one thing, servant leader. Define that for me. Well, I guess, you know, that definition might flow depending on who you ask. For me, it means the people that I'm charged with leading 
I serve them. My desire and my goal is to have my team show up as their best professional selves. And in leading that team, it's my responsibility to help them do that. I need to uncover their skills and their talents and grow that for them. I need to help them to move along in their career, their personal development. Bev, you know, I really want to move on to this position. I'm just not sure I'm ready. Okay, let's find some training for you. Let's see what we need to do to get you there. So when I say servant leadership, that's that's what I mean. I, it's my desire to serve my team. And how do you apply this to the companies that come to you and say, hey, Beverly, or Bev, I heard you refer to yourself as Bev. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm trying to grow this team and I, I need some support. How do, you, how, do you, how do you weave that in? Well, one of the first things I do is I look at the company culture. Is there a culture that supports psychological safety, autonomy, flexibility? Are you micromanaging? How is your culture supporting your employees? Some cultures do not allow employees to be their authentic selves. And what I mean by that is some cultures do not promote diversity, inclusion, belonging, psychological safety, those type of things are what allow employees to speak up and say, hey, I have an idea or, you know, I've noticed that we're doing it this way and I'm I'm wondering if maybe we should look at doing it this way. Are your employees comfortable doing that? That's the first step. Are they are they open? Is the culture providing an atmosphere where they're open to being themselves and suggesting opportunities for improvement or talking about things that aren't working well. That's where you really get the best of your employees is when you open yourself to their knowledge and their skill. So that's the first thing I look at. I look at the culture. And then I look at the teams to see how the peers work together. Is there unity among the teams? Do they support each other and help each other out? And do they work as a team to provide the best service? I have opportunities to help my clients develop a a stronger, more collaborative team. So collaboration, communication, unity, culture, those are some of the things that I look at in the beginning and process to see where maybe I can spot opportunities for improvement. That to me as a business owner sounds like a long process to get to customer satisfaction conversations. It does. First, to begin with, your culture, again, must support being customer-centric. And by that, What we do is for the customer. We are here to support the customer. Were it not for our customer, we would not be here. I have a program. It's called Four Ways to Show Heart, and heart is spelled H-A-R-T. And those four ways are to be helpful, to acknowledge the customer, definitely to be respectful of the customer and to be tactful in your communications with the customer. So I work with my clients to implement that program 
to help improve their customer satisfaction. I look at customer satisfaction scores if they have a system that where they've been capturing that information. I look at things like the customer effort score. How easy is it for your customer to work with you? Your website, your toll-free numbers, calling in to get your call center. How simple is that process? Returns, questions about refunds or product support. How does that work? I look at that customer effort score because you want your customers to promote your business and be an advocate for your business. So I look at your net promoter scores to see how that's, you know, what kind of numbers you're, you're making there. And I take this information and I assess areas that we can improve so that we improve those specific scores and we improve the way your team works and we improve your employee engagement. And all of that trickles down to the customer journey, making a better journey for the customer. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm familiar with the net promoter score, which is a super simple calculation based on mm-hmm. number of 10, one mm-hmm. question survey mm-hmm. that indicates whether people would refer you, I think is probably the appropriate word. Mm-hmm. They're going to promote you. Um, yes. So that's a really good way to measure now, and I've heard of customer service scores and the, the you had mm-hmm. mentioned one other, there was customer... Customer effort score. Thank you. What goes into those? Because those, I, am, I although I've heard of them, I don't know much about them. Yeah, there's a way to, me- to measure your customer effort. You look at things like your average handle time, how long your representatives are on the phone with your customer, how skilled that are your representatives at looking at, uh, at resolving customer issues. And again, billing, product, support, returns, things like that. Basically, it's how much effort does the customer have to put into doing business with you? If that score is high, then we've got a problem. If that score is low, then you're doing pretty good. And we need to emulate those areas. We need to, whatever's going on in those areas, we need to emulate those processes. So the customer effort score, you want to be low. And just based on what you said, it sounds like it might be limited to certain types of industries where that particular score may work best. What what types of industries does it work well in? I would say areas where customers call consistently, like maybe telecommunications, which is the industry I spent most of my time, banking, retail, where they have products. Retail may be the um, wireless companies where customers are calling to exchange their phones or get support with their phones. How difficult is that? And definitely anywhere where a customer would call for billing. Sales, somewhat, but typically in most businesses, it's easy to get a salesperson. It's a little more difficult to get billing. You know, it's it's usually easy, easy to get a salesperson because businesses are in business to make those sales. So how easy is it for a customer to return a product? Okay, I didn't have any problem when I was reaching the sales, sales department, when I was making the sale. That went great. But now I've got the product. It doesn't work to my satisfaction. 
and I can't find anybody to help me. So mm-hmm. those are some of the areas that we need to look at. And building a customer-centric organization or business is not just the responsibility of the customer service team. It's everybody's responsibility, the entire organization, the entire business. Which makes sense why you started out with culture, because without driving what your values are, for, for instance, my company, we're here to solve problems. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that problem might be a busy CEO who doesn't have time. They may articulate it as they have too many emails, but the reality is they don't have time to get through their emails. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're not always the solution, but we've trained our people to not tell them no, because, you know, two of the leaders have vast networks of people. We can refer people out to other places if it's not something we do. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's one of the things that um, that's one of the drivers of my heart program, because I want the representatives to be tactful in declining in a, a request. Not every single request can be met, as you just mentioned. Agreed. Yeah. Let's be tactful. Let's brainstorm other solutions. Let's look for another resolution. And Let's explain to the customer the reasoning behind declining the request and then offer some other form of support. Not just uh, so many times I call businesses and I'm told, I'm sorry, we don't do that. Well, I'm sorry, we can't help you with that. Well, what can you help me with? I mean, it's your product. Well, you didn't purchase it from us. So you need to, you have to do this. You have to do that, which is another thing that I always talk to representatives about never to say you have to do customer doesn't have to do anything. You're the one who has to do something. So, you know, just be tactful and when you're declining. And it sounds like what you just said, you found a way to do that. You find other resolu- other solutions to help the customer. Absolutely. You know, one of my pet peeves is when I call somewhere with an issue and a problem and they're like, well, it's not our product. We just sell it here. You mm-hmm. know, kind of like what you were saying or, you know, Something like, well, we sell it, but we don't maintain it. So I can't help you. But mm-hmm. point me in a direction where you can help me. So tell me about some just plans that you actually create with people to, because this is a real problem. People it don't, is. I mean, all the way from grocery stores up. <laughs> it is. It's a real problem. I've talked to people who say customer service is so bad. I just, you know, sometimes I just don't even bother with it, you know, which is very disappointing. But to answer your question, I try to get my clients to form partnerships, relationships with the people who product they sell. So if you sell, let's say if you sell a, a TV, if you sell a specific TV, but it's not a TV that you make or it's not a TV that you repair, it's not a TV that you maintain, get yourself situated with the manufacturer so that you can have a pipeline to refer problems and issues so that you can own that process. It'd be great if you could own that process and communicate with the manufacturer, if you could establish a pipeline in that manner. Or at the very least, be able to transfer your customer to the manufacturer via a warm transfer, not just transfer to call and drop them, via a warm transfer, which means when you get the manufacturer on the line, you explain, I have Denise Kagan on the line here. She's having a problem with her TV. She doesn't see a picture. Can you get me to someone who can speak with her? 
Okay, so now you're speaking to the person who wouldn't necessarily help with that, but that person should say, yes, let me get you over to support, technical support right now. You get to technical support, you you answered that, you talk to that person, and then you transfer Denise. You say, Denise, I've got Mike on the line. I've explained your problem. He's going to help you from here. That's how that should go. We shouldn't tell If I made a purchase with you, we should have a relationship at that point where you support me somehow in some fashion. I would say my local power company does that well. I had a severe issue with them. They literally had me hooked up to the wrong person's meter and charged overcharged me by about three times the amount. Oh, my goodness. It finally got resolved. But they were very good about communicating with me every step of the way and doing those warm transfers. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so that's, there are some companies that do it very well because I've experienced it, but there are also ones that don't do it well at all. Don't do it well. Mm-hmm. So what other, what other things are, do you put this heart program that you're talking about and creating this customer centric space? What other nuggets of wisdom do you want to drop out here for our listeners? Well, I definitely want you to understand that the people you put up front that are the face of your organization or the face of your business, please make sure that they are properly trained, that they have resources available, that they have a certain spirit of autonomy. Allow your team, train your team properly, and then allow them to do their job. Let them be the ones to say to the customer, well, yes, ma'am, I can process that refund for you right now. Just let me get a little bit of information and I'll give you a ticket number, something like that, rather than, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You have to talk to my manager. You know, that is pretty frustrating for the customer, but that's also frustrating for the employee because they have their hands tied. Basically, there's nothing I can do except answer the phone and take orders is what you're telling me. I don't have any ability to make decisions to determine if this refund should be processed or not. I don't have any ability to determine if I should replace this product. Give your teams a sense of autonomy. Train them. Give them the resources that they need. Trust them and then let them do their job. Sounds pretty inefficient as well. I mean, I would think that if you have to get a manager involved every time that you're wasting money. Yes, you're wasting money and you're wasting time. And the managers aren't always available because they're somewhere doing what they do. So now you're coming back saying, I don't have a manager available. You have to call back. Well, if I'm calling you about a problem, I'm already a little frustrated. Now (laughs) you've heightened my level of anxiousness and frustration. And now I've got to spend more of my time trying to call you back. It just doesn't work for anybody. It doesn't work for anybody. I would agree. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your customers. What types of businesses do you typically work with? I typically work with uh, contact centers, call centers, Mm -hmm. and just going to help them improve productivity. And some of the things I mentioned help improve productivity because we slash, I work to slash redundant processes, repetitive processes, build resources, ensure that the teams have sites and audio resources and visual resources that they can go to to get the answers that they need. 
and not always have to go outside their workspace or outside their normal place of working to get what they need, i.e. the the example I use, go outside to get a manager. Now they're stuck. So I I try to um, help call centers be more productive, efficient, and effective and build high-performing teams, teams that collaborate, teams that communicate, typically in, in the call center environment. So what's the most um, unique business that you worked with? Haven't really worked with any unique businesses. I did work, I did have a client who his call center was very small and he did not have a way to manage the calls that were coming in. He had calls coming in sometimes like Monday and Tuesday are usually your busiest times because people have been waiting over the weekend. And then Thursday and Friday is a little slack. He was not able to manage his staff to have the appropriate number of people on staff at the right times. This was a retailer and I won't mention his name, but he was a furniture retailer and he struggled with that. So I was able to help him implement a product to essentially count the number of calls that he had at any given time. And then we were able to reswizzle his scheduling to account for his busiest times. Sounds like a great solution. So Beverly, how can our listeners find you after the show? Okay, well, you can email me at Beverly at CustomerMeasures.com, or you can visit my website, which is HTTPS backslash backslash CustomerMeasures.com. There's a contact form there. You can submit your information and I'll get back with you within, usually within 48 hours. You can also call me. My phone number is 888 888- Two seven two seven seven one one, And we will make sure that all of that information is in our show notes as well. Well, Beverly, you have been a plethora of information. I'm so excited that you started talking about metrics. It got me excited, actually. <laughs> so thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Denise. I really appreciate the t- your time and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth through technology, leadership, and people strategies. Do you have an idea for a podcast or feedback you'd like to share with me? Send me a note through my website at dcavirtual.com slash contact.